So John 11, verses 17 to 37. Jesus comforts the sisters of Lazarus. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Sometimes things are so painful, so private, so difficult for us to talk about. They're so individual to us that it's easier to just not bring them out in the open, not to talk about them, and definitely not to preach about them. But here I am preaching about one of the most difficult things I think I've ever had to speak on, and that's the topic of grief. And it's difficult because grief is so personal. It's so individual. Everyone experiences grief differently. Everyone's story of grief is simply that, their story, your story. And so as we delve into this passage that Sue read for us and this subject of grief, I'm not going to tell you how to grieve. There's no right way to grieve. But my prayer is that whoever we are and whatever our experience of grief is this morning, Jesus will simply come and meet us where we are. So let's pray. Father God, we ask that you would be here through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would be our comforter, our peace, our hope, that you would speak into our lives and into our pain, 
and that you would come and meet us and just show us how much you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. I guess we associate grief most often uh, with death and the immense feeling of loss that results when somebody close to us dies. But we can also experience grief over any other sort of loss. The loss of a relationship, the loss perhaps of a job, the loss of a friendship that meant something to you. We might grieve over the loss of independence uh, that comes as a result of injury or an illness. The list could go on and on. Grief is simply the feeling of loss. I remember clearly uh, the night a friend of ours discovered that her best friend uh, was having an affair uh, with another friend of ours. She appeared on our doorstep late one night and literally ended up lying face down on our lounge floor for about an hour and a half, wailing into the carpet her grief. She was grieving over the loss of the person that she thought she knew. She was grieving over the loss of her friendship uh, with this other woman. She was grieving over a marriage that had been broken. When someone dies... We grieve not just the loss of the person, but we grieve so much more, don't we? I remember when my stepdad died. He died really suddenly when he was 57. I grieve the loss of him. I grieve the loss of the person I come to know and I loved. And I grieve the loss of the future that we wouldn't share together. But I also grieved for my mum as well. My grief was focused perhaps more on the impact of the loss that my mum was experiencing and those feelings of worry and concern for her in her loss as well. Everyone deals with those feelings of loss differently. Some of us get really angry. Some of us shut down. Some of us retreat from people. Some of us really need people around us. Some of us are just desperate to get back to normal, whatever that is. Others of us completely forget what normal is and we have to reinvent normal. Some of us sink deeply into the long, dark night of the soul, trapped in our grief. Others of us trip over grief when we're least expecting it. There's no normal when it comes to grief. But I do think there is one thing that the majority of people face in grief And it's those huge questions and doubts that sometimes come and overwhelm us in our time of loss and grief. God, where are you? Why did this happen? Where is the hope for me now? What is the point? Will I ever get over this? Simon Thomas uh, was a Blue Peach presenter and is a Sky Sports presenter. And in November, his wife, Gemma, uh, died age 40. Uh, she, was, she died only three days after being diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia. And he's coped with his grief and this incredible loss that he's had to deal with uh, by blogging and tweeting. It's incredible seeing the raw reality of his grief as he expresses it in words. And on Tuesday, this is what he tweeted. I long for the day I wake up and tears don't flow. Grief is a a cruel bedfellow 
But I know that one day I will wait with a smile and give thanks for those days that were ultimately so short, yet so special. Simon Thomas is walking his own path of grief, but there is some hope for him as a Christian. And the Bible doesn't avoid these realities of life and death, of hope and despair. The Bible faces the issue of living with loss head on. And somehow, as we muddle through, sometimes overwhelmed ourselves, sometimes hopeless, sometimes confused, sometimes in downright despair, we find in here people asking the same questions, feeling the same sorts of things that we feel when we face grief and loss. Just listen to these few verses from Psalm 88, where we find the psalmist just pouring out everything as as he expresses the reality of what he's feeling in his pain and grief. He says this, You've put me in the lowest pit, in the darkest depths. You've taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. I am confined and I cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? But we also discover in the pages of the Bible the person of Jesus. And in the person of Jesus, we have a profound and a powerful, we see a profound and a powerful love and compassion that can give us hope. It can give us life even in death. And so in this passage from John chapter 11 uh, that Sue read to us, we encounter in Jesus so much of who God is. We encounter a God who can take our pain, a God who enters into our grief, a God who hates death, a God who brings release and hope even when we're in the lowest pit of despair. So let's just look at those one by one as we look through this passage together. Firstly, Jesus can take our pain. I think often we think that we have to be all sorted uh, for God to work in us. But in coming to earth in the person of Jesus, God chooses to share in our humanity. He chooses to share not just in the good stuff, not in the happy times and the joys, but in sharing in our humanity. It means he has to share in our sadness, in our grief, in our despair, in our fears. He shares in our sorrow and he weeps with us. And yet because Jesus is also the fullness of God, In the depths of sorrow, we encounter the God who brings hope into despair, who can speak incredible peace into pain and fear, a God who can bring life out of death. And so we find here in John 11 uh, that Jesus has heard that his dear friend Lazarus is seriously ill. But for some reason, he stays where he is just a few more days. So by the time he gets to Bethany, to the home of Mary and Martha and their dear brother Lazarus, we find that Lazarus has died. In verse 32, uh, we read how Mary comes out to meet Jesus. 
Did you notice how she doesn't hide her grief? She doesn't retreat. But in her grief, she comes out to meet Jesus. She knows he is who she needs. And in her angst, she just falls at his feet. And she cries out this, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. She's basically saying, where were you when I needed you most? Why didn't you do something? Why didn't you come sooner? Why? She's expressing that if only, that many of us cry sometime in our journey of grief. If only we hadn't got in the car. If only I'd lived my life differently. If only I had said that or I hadn't said that. If only I'd made that telephone call. If only they'd been somewhere else. Why did this happen? But maybe our biggest if onlys are directed at God. If only you had been there, God. If only you'd intervened. If only you had loved them more. If only. We know that Jesus has the power to change things, so why didn't you? And Mary cries out, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus can take it. He can take all that that we need to give. But as Jesus stands before his friend, Mary, he can take her pain. And he doesn't do anything He doesn't give her a nice platitude or give her a Bible verse. He simply enters into her grief. In verses 33 to 35, we read this. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. You see, Jesus isn't beyond emotion. He isn't beyond sadness, beyond the pain and brokenness of this world. He isn't the God out there, untouchable, far away. He isn't the God of there, there, it'll be all right, pick yourself up and get on with it. No, Jesus is the one who enters into the depths of our pain and our loss and our grief. Jesus is the one who weeps over Jerusalem. He is the one who has mercy on the blind man begging on the street. He is the one whose heart is broken for the woman whose husband has already died and whose son is now dead too. He is the one who notices the woman who's been bleeding for 12 years. And Jesus doesn't stand apart from that grief, from loss and from from suffering. But he enters into that grief. It was a Friday night about seven years ago, and it was about 10.45 in the evening. Uh, I was really tired, it was the end of a busy week, and I'd gone to bed early, and I was just drifting off to sleep, and my mobile phone rang by the side of my bed. And it was a girl from the school where I was a chaplain at that time, and and she simply said down the phone, Mrs. Talbot, we need you. Uh, Something's happened. Um, We're on the street outside your house. You need to come now. I knew it was serious. I knew who this girl was. She wasn't messing around. And so I just pulled on my clothes. I ran across the field uh, to the road where I could see there was a group of people 
and a police car. And when I got there, I found out that one of the girls had been ringing her mum all evening as she hadn't turned up for the school play she was meant to meet her daughter at and they were meant to see together. And when the play had finished, she, she tried to ring her mum again. And this time, uh, when her, her mum's phone rang, the phone was answered. And it wasn't her mum. Uh, it was a policewoman that answered the phone. After, after establishing uh, who the policewoman was talking to, uh, she told the girl to stay where she was, and they were coming to her. And it was at that point that one of her friends had given me a ring. And as I was filled in on these details... Uh, this 17-year-old girl was sat in the car uh, with the police people. And a moment later, as we stood there on the side of the street, the car door uh, just swung open and this poor girl just flung herself out of that police car, screaming. She'd just been told that her mum had been found dead. And we later found out that her mum had died uh, of a brain hemorrhage in the car park of Sainsbury's where she'd just popped in uh, to get her shopping on the way to come to meet her daughter at the school play. And I saw in that moment the pure, raw agony of grief and pain and despair. And all of us that were stood on that street did the only thing that we could in that moment. We just gathered around that girl and we held her, and we entered into her pain. As Jesus faces the loss of those grieving the death of their brother, their friend, their son, Lazarus, Jesus doesn't just stand there observing, saying, there, there, it'll be okay. Don't you know who I am? He simply enters fully into their pain. And Jesus wept. Jesus wept. In the Greek, the word used for wept actually insinuates that Jesus, in that moment, burst into tears. These aren't the tears of one spectating grief or shedding a tear or two in sympathy. But as one commentator puts it, Jesus' tears at that moment authentically express the emotion of his heart. Jesus wept. Jesus' tears express his compassion, his deep compassion for his broken friends. And sometimes this is all we need to do, isn't it? We need to just be there. We just need to enter in. We need to listen. We need to enter into the pain of our friend grieving or a family member dealing with some sort of loss. We just need to enter in as Jesus enters in to our pain. And then as we go on, the mood changes. In verses 37 and 38, we hear that as the group approach the tomb where Lazarus is laid, Jesus is deeply moved. Jesus is deeply moved. Uh, the Greek words used here tell, tell us much more about the depth of emotion that Jesus is feeling than just deeply moved. And so the phrase more accurately translated uh, would be, Jesus became angry in spirit. He is outraged in his spirit. Jesus hates death. He's hating the effect that death and grief and loss is having on the people that he loves. 
This is not okay. This is not how things are meant to be. This is not what I want for those that I love. And maybe that is your experience of grief. It's not just about your own loss, but you're angry about the effect that the grief and loss that your friend or family member is experiencing is having upon them. You're angry about how you've seen it change them or how it will affect the rest of their life, how it's robbing them of, of their hope and a future. This is not okay. And so sometimes in those moments, we just have to hold on to what we know of Jesus and how into the, the grief and the darkness and the pain of life, Jesus does bring hope. His compassion, remember, leads him to action. It leads him to restore the sight of that blind man he met on the street or to heal the woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. His compassion causes him to raise to life the widow's son, to die for the lost. His anger, his love, his compassion, it doesn't end with him just standing there weeping, but it leads him to act, and his action brings hope, and it brings life, and it brings freedom. And so if we go back to John 11, Jesus reaches Lazarus' tomb where he's been uh, laid for four days. And Jesus stands there and he asks that they roll the stone back. And he commands in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And in like a foretaste of his own resurrection, where Jesus conquers sin and death and the devil once and for all, Jesus raises Lazarus. And in that moment, he reveals to all those who are stood there the glory and the power of God. He reveals to them the fact that death does not have the final say. Jesus calls Lazarus out of the tomb, and then he asks the people there to release Lazarus from his grave clothes, the bindings that have bound him. And in that moment, Lazarus is released literally from the trappings of death. He's given his life back. And Mary and Martha and all those that are grieving are freed from the grief that has bound them. And they're given a new hope. This is what Jesus is all about. He's all about resurrection. He's all about hope. He's all about freedom. Even when a short time later, Jesus is nailed to a cross and dies in the most horrendous way. That was not the end. Death could not hold the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so when Jesus raises from the grave, he breaks the binds of sin and death. He breaks the binds of the things that hold all of us. No longer do those things have the final say. And in that moment, we too have a, a foretaste of, of what it'd be like when Jesus returns, when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, where there will be no more death, no more crying, no more mourning, no more pain, for the old has gone and the new has come. Lazarus, even when he was released from death, released from those grave clothes, he still had to go back and live his new life in this broken world. 
I wonder if you've thought about what that would have been like for Lazarus and his community. He probably just went back to work. He went back to normal. But I expect that things were never the same because he'd been rescued from death and given new life. And so I expect that he had to live every day in the fullness of that new life that he'd been given. For all of us, uh, when we come to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's as though Jesus has released us from our grave clothes, those things that have bound us. He releases us from the things that have dictated our future. And he's given us a new experience of freedom and hope and life in him. Do we live like we've been raised, like Lazarus had? Do we live in that freedom, that hope, that joy of the resurrection? And for some of us here, we might know that ultimate hope, but perhaps we're bound in our grief. And Jesus wants to come and loosen your grave clothes that bind us today. It might be he wants to release you emotionally to allow you to have the freedom to grieve as you need to. Or maybe he needs to loosen those things that bound you so that you can be angry. To let go of all that has held you. Maybe you need to be released to throw those questions about that you've been told or you believe that you've got no right to ask. Jesus can take it. Perhaps for some of us, we just need to know that Jesus is with us or with the person that we love and care for in their grief. He's been there, he's felt it, he's suffered it, and he's entered in. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkness, darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me.